Wellspring Gardens by Guppy Magoo Part 1 Survey Congratulations, Alex Briggs. You have made 200 years as a LifeCorp member. If you have time we would like to conduct a survey to ensure we are providing the best customer service possible, is that okay? Yes. How are you feeling? Fine. What is your earliest conscious memory? The rain. Do you believe in the measurement utility of bell curves? Yes. Would you say that you can reliably recollect past events? Unsure. How old are you? 267. Are you satisfied with our product, LifeCorp Preservative Serum? Yes. Please complete the following. Time and energy. Please complete the following. Dead, die, dying. Your adjusted age is 47 years old, model type. First generation, would you like to readjust at this time? No. Do you ever feel it necessary to search out or appeal to the metaphysical? Sometimes. How do you keep track of time? Cycles. Hypothetically you see a sick and hungry woman on the side of a road. If either phenomenon could exist, what would you do? Nothing. Thank you, Alex Briggs. At this time, would you like to continue your journey with LifeCorp? No. Message error. Are you interested in renewing your LifeCorp contract? No. For further information see our service specialists at the LifeCorp Health and Recreation Offices. Old. His dog had died that morning. When Dolly became old and sick enough, her list of ailments became symptoms of the same thing. In that way, oldness seemed to consolidate the details. So if there must be a reason to die, always, then being old should be good enough. Alex didn't feel much about it. Maybe he had become callous. Death had always stung in a way he could hardly remember now. Dolly was buried with the many other Dollies, on a swath of land Alex had purchased from the mortuary, just before it had gone out of business. The land was well kept and landscaped, in contrast to the rest of the cemetery, which had been neglected and grown wild over time. Seeing at once all the graves made him feel cruel, as if in a certain way he had killed the dogs by having them made. But then he remembered the tirelessness of such conversations and let it pass. He knew not to worry about feelings. Everything felt different in time. Afterward Alex returned home to his isolation. He lived there amongst the trees and overgrowth, alone, surrounded by endless tomorrows, crashing like waves at his door. His home was not like an old person's home. Neither stale nor cluttered. It did not betray its occupant's existence as something spiraling into disrepair and decay. It smelled sweet instead and was almost empty save for the flowers kept on the kitchen table that never wilted. The flattening of time had made things such as fashion impossible to delineate with any certainty, and so, on that accord, not much can be said. All in all the house had held up almost as well as he had. LifeCorp Health and Recreation They made a circle with the chairs. Alex sat alone. These were people in crises too embarrassing to describe, so they had coined new words for them. But the true culprits of their discontent were the worlds they could now see clearly without the blinders of mortal concerns. Alex had been watching silently, as stories were passed around in mind for whatever meaning was left. It registered then that all of the men and women looked more or less the same, meticulously proportioned to optimal effect in such a convergent way, that Alex could hardly tell them apart. The human imagining of perfect, when materialized, was woefully lacking in texture and was ultimately a manifestation of emptiness. One of them was speaking to the group. 
My friend is battling cancer for the fourth time, she was saying. The administrator sat straight, his legs crossed. He tried to engage further, well how is that going? How are you doing? Not so good, said the woman, she probably won't make it. She's lost the fight before though, so we'll see how this one goes. For me, I know this sounds bad, but I'm just trying to be honest here. She looked out at the faces in the circle for encouragement. When she had found enough she went on, I'm just so tired of these little cancer tours she's always going on. Like it's so fun to get cancer just to try and beat it. Always wanting sympathy and attention. It's exhausting. Just once I'd like for her to die. Permanently. The crowd gasped. The administrator kept calm. He reassured the woman, if your friend wants to fight cancer to pass the time, we can't judge her. Everyone has their own hobbies. See what you are feeling as experiential sympathy fatigue. This is completely normal and to be expected. Sometimes it gets tiring caring about other people and ourselves the further this journey takes us. What is important to remember is that even if the stories we experience are curated, that choice does not diminish its validity. Your life still has value. The administrator went on, would anyone else like to share something from their lives? Another person spoke up. Sometimes, I used to think what's the point? Do you know? Why not end it? It has to be better than this, being stuck in a life you hate for eternity. But recently I've made a big change in my life. I've changed my name to Chaff. So now when I do something I think, what would Chaff do? And that's how I live my life. Everything has gotten better from when my name used to be Chad. My life has meaning again. And what did you do as Chaff? Prodded the administrator. Chaff left his wife and kids, answered the man right away. The conversations went on like this around the circle. Another man spoke when it was his turn, was thinking of becoming a classical pianist, going the traditional route. I'm not sure if I really want to spend decades on it though. I also heard you can turn people into objects, is that true? Confused, I don't know what you mean. Well, I've always wanted to be a garbage can. That way I could take all the things people don't want, their throwaways. I could take in all of those unwanted things, and I'd be happy because I was fulfilling my purpose. Disturbed, no, we can't do that. Maybe a toilet or something? The administrator seemed annoyed, if you're interested, I have some LifeCorp brochures if you would like to take a look at some of our packages, okay? Then he moved on to Alex. You've been pretty quiet this whole meeting. Do you have anything you would like to share? Alex felt strange. I. This feels contrived or. I don't know. Familiar. The administrator answered reflexively, what's our motto class? Everyone chanted along, nothing's old, always new. What's your name? Alex. Why are you here today Alex? I think I need some kind of permission form or something, do you guys have that here? Permission for what? I wanted to end my contract with your company. Why would you do that? Alex was defensive, does that matter? Do you know what the consequences would be? Yes. Then you're in the wrong place. Please leave. And go where? Down the hall, there's an office that can help you with that. Alex got up and walked past the circle of confounded faces, down the hallway, to a door that read health. The door was unlocked. You can have a seat. There was a woman, working at the desk in front of him. She looked distracted and paid him little mind as he took his seat. When she finally turned to address him, a look came over her as if she had recognized something in him. How was the recreation meeting? She spoke in a slightly mocking tone, although he couldn't read the target. Kind of cliché, actually. The woman adjusted her glasses. Sure, is that why you're here? They told me to come here, so. I'm not an executioner, said the woman seriously. I never said that, I just want out of my contract. She seemed hurt by what he had said. Alex was slightly confused, isn't this your job? 
Do you think I'm more like you or like them? Her tone was oddly personal. I don't know, look is there something I can sign or... If you can't even say out loud what you want me to do, how do you expect me to do it? I told you what I want to do. Alex was getting frustrated. You want to die? I wouldn't say that. Then what would you call it? I just don't want to commit to anything else, I want to complete my cycle. You can call that what you want. I would not recommend that. Why not? First off, death is very scary stuff. Who knows what's on the other side? Probably something bad. Right. Second, think of your family. The people who would miss you, think about me and the extra work I'll have to do. Do you really want to cause others pain? Alex was unmoved, they'll get over it. Struggling, well then, how about all the amazing things you wouldn't get to do? Things you've never tried, like scuba diving, space travel, you could go on a pilgrimage. To where? I don't know, wherever the weather's nice. Look, do you have a real reason? Like, not a distraction, or guilt. Anything, just something useful that actually matters? The woman grew serious, you don't have to do it. Alex got up, feeling like they were talking in circles, sorry I bothered you. I can figure it out myself. He was almost out before she stopped him. It's impossible. Our way is the only way that works. Drown yourself, slit your wrists, jump off a building, it'll be nothing more than a new hobby, they'll just find you and revive you. She walked over and handed him a piece of paper. Here. Alex was grateful. He took the paper with a smile and left. Rain. An old memory played in his mind as he laid in bed. He was at the bottom of a slide, facing up towards the sky. He saw clouds gathering far out in the mountains. They furrowed and grew, and finally broke into the valley. He saw the rain coming towards the park. It fell in an odd way. It fell in waves like the wind through sheets hung on a line. The rain was dancing. He had never seen rain. He had only been in it, experienced it like consciousness or time, but not as a thing dancing. He tried to shut out the memory, to keep it safe from the wear of remembering, of having something precious exposed to the light of the mind. Then, without warning, sleep came quietly and the memory of the rain faded safely away. Journey The morning felt new again. The overlooked revealed themselves to Alex in lively detail once more. The textures of his breakfast, the shuddering of the wind through the windows, the clarity of the early morning air. Alex packed and tidied his house for the last time, he put the dishes away, dusted the shelves, mopped the floor, and left the dog bowl spotless beneath the sink. At last, when the house had been cleansed of any sense of being lived in, he wrote a note for whoever might find it. The house is yours if you want it. Good place for pets, kids or robots. The flowers don't need watering. Thank you. He tucked the note below the vase. Alex took out a set of keys from a drawer in the kitchen. It was the accumulation of every key he had refused to throw away, even past usefulness. They were the remnants of his responsibilities. And now he was leaving one of them behind. He unhooked a key from the chain and placed it on the table for someone else. He put the rest in his pocket and with his luggage in the car, took off into the day sure he would not return again. Road The road had long been abandoned, after its pathways had lost their answers. Alex trekked along the empty highway. Many times before he had found himself along this stretch of earth, but now he sought to find the last thing left to know. Along the way he found a novelty gas station, stopping only to grab a few candy bars, while talking idly to tourists who had made the pilgrimage to this outpost of the old world. But he was soon gone. The resting sun laid itself out across the sky in fine streaks of pink and orange. Having witnessed it many times before, he found the spectacle unconvincing. 
He had seen his share from the looping boundaries of space to the aboriginal darkness of the ocean, he had seen the reality of all things, and so the sunset was, after all, just the childish wine of the solar system. So he kept on through the night and emerged from its dark tunnel, guided by the winking light on the other side. The morning was cold and damp and unpleasant to look at. He kept along the shortest path, unwavering and incurious. The days rested across the earth in many forms, but Alex went on unchanging. He had brought with him a collection of music, but he felt no desire to listen to it. The days passed on, and as they went, Alex's vigilant certitude began to crack under their accumulation. Another kind of obstacle appeared to him then, he felt the familiar threat of change. Sadness pulled at him, directionless. Then a familiar voice spoke out. Going home? It asked. The previously dark little square on the dashboard sprung to life. It had a little face, pixel-dotted eyes, and a long square smile. What home? Asked Alex amused. I'm sorry I forgot your name. 222FQ, aka your mother's secret work friend, said the voice. My mother's dead, said Alex. Really? I guess I haven't been updated in a while. Hold on. The little face flashed and swirled and played a little song, then rearranged itself. You're old now. Shouldn't you be dead? I forgot you were installed. My offline sensors must have woken me up. So, where to boss? Don't worry, I've got a map, said Alex. A map? I'm a map that can play opera and chess at the same time. Why would I need that? Because you're not a dumbass. Alex held up the map. We're going here, he pointed. The little face on the screen squinted suspiciously, can we go home first? I haven't been in a while. Stop complaining. Mocking, a while, you were turned off the whole time. Besides, it's probably not there anymore. It's there. I just checked. I'm going to turn you off again, Coop. Hey, you remembered? Said Coop. I remembered why I turned you off in the first place. The little face on the screen darkened, its pixelated face pinched into a frown. LifeCorp contract offices, is that where we're going? Asked Coop. Alex nodded. All right, but we're going home first before you do anything. For Lily at least. The name resurrected a familiar sensation Alex had long since buried. The past wasn't useful for making decisions. It only preserved wounds in time. That night he slept what little he could. Lying down in his car he watched overhead the raucous passage of cargo ships rattle the sky in enormous loops of neon light. They glided elegantly above great aerial railways whose pillars anchored deep into the flesh of the earth. It was a superhighway that ran like an artery through the dying world. It followed alongside the road, a reminder of progress just above the past. Girl Coop had gone silent finally after hours of conversation that had left Alex tired and wanting of real sleep. He drove till dusk and found along the way a little group with signs, marching by an old motel. There were three of them, each holding a sign. One read, join the life cap movement. Another said, death is not that bad. And the last was held by a young woman that said, only the good die young. Alex pulled the car up beside them, do you know if that motel's in operation? He asked. Yes it is, said the girl. It's our base camp. You can stay if you'd like to join the cause or even just donate. The orange sun beat down upon her golden hair. Her pouty lips were a little too large for her thin face. Her eyes were large, but puffy like she had not slept well the night before. Her nose was slightly uneven like her front teeth when she smiled. She was beautiful in a way Alex had forgotten people could be. It sounds interesting, but I'm actually going somewhere. But I'd like to donate. I'm not sure what kind of payment you want. Money is fine, she said. Money? What are you going to do with that? Don't you have an allotment from your life commission? I gave it up. We live on cash out here, she said. 
Alex was a little thrown by the request. Even he had given up on cash currency a long time ago. But then he remembered the $100 bill tucked away in his wallet for emergencies, should he ever need it. He never had. It was security that had turned into a memento. He dug into his wallet and handed it to the girl. With enthusiasm she held the money up to the sun, her eyes a lively green in the light, and tucked it away. I'm surprised you had this. It's pretty rare to find anybody with it. You should sell that to a collector, it'd be worth more to them than to you. It means more to me though, she said. We're trying to keep it alive down here. There are a few of us that still care enough. Money is a beautiful thing, what is it? She thought for a bit. The root of all evil. She seemed proud of herself, that's something isn't it? Following the girl's instructions, Alex parked the car off-road near the motel. They were in the middle of scorched desert. Orange dirt whipped all around when the wind came, Alex could taste it on his tongue, dry and rusted, it flowed all around blotting out the world. The young woman led the way, her hand held up against the waves of orange dust. The motel was old or rather made to look so. Up close he saw that the tarnished paint and tattered railings were finely crafted imitations of aging. I'm Ella, said the girl as she led him to his room. If you need anything, just ring up with the telephone. This is your place? He asked. My mom's, but I'm running things for now. Here. She pointed to a room. This is yours. She unlocked and pushed open the door. The room was neat but dingy, the carpet was yellow and dark in spots, the curtains were thick unsightly things with green diamond, brown circle patterns, that were repeated again on the walls. But strangely the room smelled industrial and new. It just looks bad, she promised. My mother was a new hippie for a time. That's when she designed this place. I like it. It's nostalgic, said Alex. What are you, mid-hundreds? I meant the first hippies. Surprised, so you're pre-corporation then. Well, I might have some questions for you, maybe tomorrow. Sure, I owe you. Bella listed a few more amenities, before finally leaving the room. Alex laid out across the bed. The afternoon glow slowly faded away. He thought of the rain again, dancing across the valley, and fell asleep. Alex awoke, his head heavy from sleep. He was terribly hungry, and so he called as was instructed, but no one answered. He got out of the room and looked around, but found no one. Not the boys with the signs or Ella, just the whip of the wind across the orange plain. He walked along the row of empty rooms and heard a light creaking coming from inside somewhere. With his ears trained to the walls, he listened door to door until he had found the source of the squeaking, heard it clearly coming from one of the rooms. He tapped gently on the door, and the squeaking stopped. Hello? He called through the door. Nothing. Then the tapping of footsteps, and finally in the open door stood Ella, with her saucer-plate eyes red and teary. Alex immediately regretted finding her, oh, sorry, I just wanted to let you know I'm leaving. You too? She asked softly. Are you okay? Asked Alex. Yes, she said. I won't be needing your money anymore. She began to reach into her pocket, but Alex stopped her. No, keep it. I won't need it where I'm going. Where are you going? She asked, wiping away the tears from her cheeks. Um, a LifeCorp facility. Where is it? Alex pointed vaguely out into the desert, that way. Bella was quiet for a while, her thoughts settling finally to an idea. I need to go that way too, she said. If you take me somewhere or at least as far as you can, I have some allotment left. I kept a little just in case. You can have the rest. Alex let his words out gently, I don't know if that's a good idea. What about your motel? There's nothing for me here. I need to go somewhere very important. She wasn't begging. The look in her eyes was resolute, focused. Her conviction provoked in him a dormant sense of empathy. If you don't mind riding in a car, I can take you, he said. Bella's eyes lit up, how old is it? Old, he repeated.